0: Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seaton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Today we welcome a special guest, Father Caesar. Who can, who can know God's counsel or who can conceive what the Lord intends? These questions from the Book of Wisdom which we heard in the first reading, place us before the two protagonists of history who are always two. On the one hand, God, and on the other, men. Now, man's task has always been to listen to God's call and then to accept his will. This is why we must always be ready to ask ourselves without hesitation about God's will. Without hesitation. But this brings up another question. How can I know what is God's will for me? We can find the answer to this question in the same wisdom texts. And who shall know your thoughts unless you give wisdom and send your Holy Spirit from above? And so the ways of them that are upon earth may be corrected and men may learn the things that please you. For by wisdom, they were healed. Whosoever hath pleased you, O Lord, from the beginning. In other words, to recognize God's call, we must ask ourselves and understand what is that pleases him. And for what we must, and for that we must grow in Christian wisdom. how can we grow in Christian wisdom? Let us take a moment, let us take movement as an example in order to understand this question. Any movement necessarily involves two things, moving away from the starting point and approaching the end or point of arrival. Two things. In the same Sense to grow, therefore, in Christian wisdom, we must progressively move away from the criteria of the world that's the starting point and move closer and closer to the criteria or point of view of God. So we have the starting point and we have the point of arrival. So we have to do two things. Disregard the world's criteria and foster a spirit of faith. First, I want to make sure what I meant by the word world. I'm not referring here to the total aggregate of men upon earth among whom are found both choice souls and irreligious men. Two kinds but to the sum total of those who oppose jesus christ and are the slaves of the threefold concupiscence that is concupiscence of the flesh concupiscence of the eyes, and concupiscence of the pride of life threefold concupiscence that is to say the unbelievers hostile to religion the indifferent who do not want a religion that will steer them out of their apathy, and the hardened sinners and the worldlings. So world, I'm referring to this. It is interesting to see that the world has the sad privilege of seeing all things precisely backwards from what they are. For example, it calls good those things that are in reality real evils. He calls evils those that in reality are good things or can easily become real good. For example, the world places its supreme happiness, supreme happiness in pleasures, riches, honors, comforts, spectacles, amusements, in enjoying good health, to live more, I mean, that's fine. But we know that we cannot, we are pilgrims of here. So this is not paradise. We are meriting heaven. So we live as God wants us to live. In never being ill, in living for many years, And certainly the world will never understand the Sermon of the Mount. And therefore, it will not understand that the poor, the meek, those who mourn, those who hunger and thirst, the merciful, the clean of heart, the peacemakers, and those who suffer persecution are blessed. In other words, the cross of Christ does not fit into the world's mind And he calls it foolishness and folly, as some Paul says. But God thinks differently. God's wisdom is condensed in relation to us in those divine paradoxes of the Sermon of the Mount. The Apostle Paul, a faithful interpreter of the divine thought, through prophetic inspiration wrote that whoever wishes to become wise according to God must become a fool according to the world. So as a first step in acquiring the wisdom of God, one must be on guard against these principles and maxims of the world, therefore. Some of them seem so reasonable because they change, they they cover things, they change the meaning. So some of them seem so reasonable and, s- and so deeply rooted in every even in many people who consider themselves an authentic and truly Christians it is necessary to be very vigilant we have talked to that about in previous I've talked to that about in previous sermons to be vigilant in, o- in order Not to be surprised. For instance, we must definitely realize that the main thing is not the health of the body, but that of the soul. Not the long life, but the holy life. Not the human future of our children, but the eternal future know that our temporal affairs go well, but the great business of our sanctification, know that we we'll be happy on Earth during this, the 70 or 80 years of this life, but for all eternity in heaven. And since poverty, sickness, pain, humiliation are much more useful to achieve all these great and true goods. We, firmly, we will firmly maintain against the opinion of the whole world that all these things which the world so much despises are better than the richest pleasures, comforts which the world loves so much. Total and definitive renunciation of the false standards of the world This is the first step that must be taken decisively if we want to acquire true, true Christian wisdom. And this leads us to the second point. In order to accomplish this, we must foster the spirit of faith. The reason is because faith gives us God's point of view. But it's not enough to have faith There are many people who have it, and yet their intelligence is completely dominated by the standards of the world. It is not enough to ascend to the truth revealed by God. It is necessary to live according to them. And in order order to live by faith, it is necessary to foster the spirit of faith by all the means that are available to us. The spirit of faith consists in a tendency Action of the soul to be constantly guided by the teachings of faith. The light of faith comes to rule effectively in all circumstances of life, and all its consequences are accepted, even those that go against our purely human feeling. And finally, The spirit of faith is the shining star that enlightens the pilgrim to follow the path of his destiny. This spirit of faith, as it is perfected, gives rise to the so-called Christian sense, which makes us judge all things according to the norms of faith, no longer by intellectual reasoning, but by a kind of instinct that comes from the Holy Ghost. With this spirit of faith, we will be able to accept that which the world so much despises then, and better than the riches, than the pleasures, than the comforts, than the grandeurs, etc., which the world loves so much. Let us... Then offer ourselves, ourselves, souls, and body to the eternal Spirit of God to be guided by His criteria, who is the strength and light of our souls. And we ask this grace to our Blessed Mother, Seed of Wisdom.